Good evening, good evening, good evening to everybody. Hopefully everyone is enjoying a safe and healthy uh, week uh, up to this point. Um, welcome this evening to the Bible study at Laurel Church of Christ. We are using this medium Zoom that the brothers have so ex excellently and expertly set up for us to use. Um, hopefully everyone out there can hear me okay. Um, I didn't get any announcements or anything to uh, have to say at the beginning, so we're just going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to get uh, right into where we left off last week. Um, let us pray. Lord, our gracious God in heaven, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this hour of study. We ask that you please bless our hearts and minds to be opened uh, to the things that we will study tonight in thine word. May it bless each and every one of us in an individual and collective way. May it strengthen us where we are weak and may it build us up where we're torn down. Uh, these and all other blessings we ask in your son Jesus name. Amen. <clears throat> all right. Um, last week we uh, quick review we we finished up last week with uh, with objurgation the uncomfortable conversation uh, we wanted to bring a few points out of that we finished up with uh, Bill Parcells and some of his classic sayings um, gave some thoughts on on that a uh, couple of things that definitely wanted to be brought out and remembered about objurgation the uncomfortable conversation is that it is desirable, as both David and um, our real-world example number two uh, both desired it. Um, sorry, George Washington. They both desired it. Um, it takes maturity to accept it, uh, and it takes relationships to properly enact it, um, ex of course, with the exception of the elders who's job it is to do some objurgation. Um, and like I say, we, as I said last week, we are blessed to have the Cadillac of elderships here at Laurel Church of Christ. Um, we also began talking about edification, um, which is the lifeblood of encouragement. It really took on a, in studying it, it really took on a teacher-student sort of uh, connotation to it. I uh, shared a few stories last week about the first time I had gotten too big for my britches in front of a person of authority uh, that could control my playing time in football, and also gave a quick story about my advisor back in college, Mr. David Kinley, who used to pick on me, um, but if you ask him, he said that he had good reason, as we covered last week. Uh, we're picking back up here with uh, edification and just a quick uh, review of the definition, the instruction or improvement of a person morally, emotionally, or intellectually. Uh, we began looking at our first real-world example, which was Abraham Lincoln. We ran through some of his background. Um, he was a very interesting study to me as uh, he lived through his whole life. He had several very big and public and um, terrible relationships that ended, like several of us all have had. Um, he and his wife 
unfortunately, they have four sons um, and only one survived into adulthood. Um, but yet he still became one of the greatest presidents uh, of, of all time, I should say. Um, we wanted to jump right into here. Let me make sure I have control of my slides. And we will, uh-oh, wait a minute. Hold on, let me see my, okay, oh, wait a minute, going the wrong way. There we go. Okay, now I have control of it. Apologies for that. We are always working out to find print. Um, now we get to some of the famous quotes, which gives us uh, insight into the mind of uh, President Lincoln. Um, he had some very good down-to-earth quotes, and one of the reasons I we've covered several of the presidents in this uh, series here, this is the final night, Lord willing, next week we'll pass the baton back to my mentor and let him take us on home for the rest of the summer semester. Um, but with Abraham Lincoln, he was born into poverty. He was of the three presidents that we've covered, um, George Washington, FDR, George, uh, Abraham Lincoln was of those three was the only one that was born into abject poverty, into a log cabin. George Washington was born into a family that had assets, maybe not a great deal of liquid assets, but were big landowners. FDR was born into money, was born into power. His He had a cousin who was Theodore Roosevelt, um, was his cousin. So he had a cousin who was also a president. So those guys kind of started out life on second and third base, respectively, while Abraham Lincoln started out more so as a bat boy, if you understand the baseball analogy. Go Nats. Um, some of Abraham Lincoln's, Lincoln's famous, famous quotes are, <clears throat> folks are usually about as happy as they make their minds up to be. Um, mindset is a, is a big thing. Uh, anybody who is an, who encourages folks, that is always one of the, the big things um, as far as mindset. Mindset is important. Here's another one of his sayings that he had that I really did uh, enjoy because it, it just makes basic sense. Uh, goes back to the saying of killing them with kindness. Do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Another good one, he says that America will never be destroyed from outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. This was a saying that he had that made me think on the current state of affairs in America as far as this saying would be applicable today as it was many, many years ago when he first uttered it. Um, I am a success today because I had a friend who believed in me and I didn't have the heart to let him down. This will come into play a little bit later in this, in this uh, last lesson when we start talking about some of the relationships that I like to look at in the Bible that uh, model this edification, this uh, kind of teacher-student, um, older guy teaching younger guy to come on through and then to eventually succeed him. Um, um, my concern, and his next saying is, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. Um, that sounds like he had done some reading on the Apostle Paul. Um, that just sounds very Pauline-like. 
Um, going down to his next saying is, whenever I hear anyone arguing for slavery, I feel, I feel a strong impulse to see it tried on him personally. Um, they're, they're, that's just straightforward. I included this next one just because it made me chuckle and it sounded like something one of my uncles would have said when it says, there are no bad pictures. That's just how your face looks sometimes. <laughs> As a person who's not very photogenic, I can understand that saying on a personal note. Uh, coming on down, um, I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist but I cannot conceive how a man could look up into the heavens and say there is no God. Um, just a, just a, like I say, another great saying, and these are just giving you some kind of insights into this guy being such a great edifier, um, personally, and even though suffering through all these tragedies and guiding a nation through so many uh, tragedies that happened as far as the Civil War, Reconstruction, et cetera. <clears throat> This is another one um, that I thought was a good one here. Things may come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. That makes me think back to my grandmother saying, and everyone has heard it a thousand times, the early bird gets the worm. Um, that is definitely true. And I definitely came from a house that believed in everybody was going to be an early bird, whether they liked it or not. Um, his next saying is one that I think would be adoptable to all of us. I don't like that man. I must get to know him better. That's just a good plain piece of English for anybody. That's just a good piece of advice or information. The probability that we may fail in the struggle ought not to deter us from the support of a cause we believe to be just. Um, just like I say, just another great saying and just cycling on through through the uh, final one that we pulled up for this example is if there is anything that links the human to, to the divine, it is the courage to stand by principle when everybody else rejects it. Um, Abraham Lincoln just had some great quotes and I really believe that a lot of this was born out of the tough times that he came from um, growing, that he was born into, that he grew up through being self-educated and all those different things still, I believe that that helped shape his ideas, even though we went through a bunch of personal tragedies and all these other things. I believe that, that it, it really shaped him as far as knowing how to edify other people. Um, as we move on into our examples. Sorry about that, that's hit the wrong button. There we go. Okay, uh, in this last three points we're going to get to, we're going to do this more um, in a direct hermeneutical sort of study. Um, let me get my scriptures here, my book here. There we go. Um, by direct command, we're going to start there with point one. And the two examples that we have is Second Thessalonians uh, 5, 9 through 15. And uh, example two will be Romans 15, 1 and 2. That's 2 Thessalonians 5, 9, and 5, 9 through 15, and Romans 15, 1 through 2. Um, 
and it and it reads we have it on the slide here for god has not hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our lord jesus christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do and we beseech you brethren to know them which labor among you and are over you in the lord and admonish you that's to me that's speaking to our to the to the elders um and we have good ones uh, verse 13 and to esteem them very highly in love for their works sake and be at peace among yourselves now we exhort you brethren Oh, apologies. Thank you, Brother Kerry. I put Second Thessalonians and I meant First Thessalonians. There we go. Uh, my apologies for that. Thank you. That's an error on my slide. I, I need to get that fixed. Uh, thank you, though, Brother Kerry. Um, now we exhort you, brethren. Okay, hold on wait a minute. I lost my place. We're going to start back at verse 13. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort ye, we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Um, when we get into, as we're getting more into the edification concept, I looked at some of the um, really student teacher or mentor protege type relationships in the Bible. And there are several good constructs that sh that show that um, as far as Elijah and Elisha, um, you have Paul and Timothy, who Paul actually calls Timothy his son in the gospel, um, which which shows that type of father-son relationship that these constructs had. Um, the one that I get into probably the most that that we're going to get into a little bit later um, or after point one is the Moses and Joshua relationship, which if you really start to examine that and you have to go across several books to see how, um, and it does it, the Bible doesn't give us ages when when Moses found him and everything, but Joshua became Moses's uh, go-to guy, so to speak. I mean, even being called his minister um, in one of the uh, examples that we have, um, he really tutored Joshua. Um, he, he, he had him at some of his, his deepest, darkest moments. He had him at some of his most important moments. He had uh, called on Joshua in some of his most crucial moments that he, that he needed. All right, we're going to go to Romans 15, 1 and 2 now. Um, Romans 15, verses 1 and 2. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Um, like I said, we're taking more of a hermeneutical approach tonight. So we're just going to go with the two examples of direct commands. Um, and those are those those two direct commands going into the 
Moses, Moses and Joshua dynamic, it was, um, and just very quickly, and we'll jump right back into point two. Um, Moses, Mo, Joshua shows up with Moses in Exodus 17. Now, we all know that one. That is when um, Moses is praying to the Lord because all the children of Israel, and he's asking the Lord, you know, are these people going to stone me and everything? And then the Amalekites, if I'm uh, pronouncing that correctly, uh, comes up to fight against the children of Israel. Now, children of Israel was, you know, we all know the story of Moses and how they were always murmuring and grumbling and made Moses end up not getting, well, we're not going to say they made Moses not go. They got on his nerves enough where he hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock and that cost him his ticket into the promised land. Um, I pray for our, I pray for our leadership and our ministers because if 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 church folks can get on Moses' nerves, I'm sure that we can get on anybody's nerves. Um, but in that one, that's when the Amalekites came. And of course, uh, at that point, Moses really needed a, a, a win. And this is this is not saying I read that in scripture. This is me reading the scriptures and kind of interpreting what was going on. Moses really needed a big win. So he called Joshua. That's the first time that Joshua pops up and he calls him to go and lead the fight against the Amalekites. Um, and as you can see, their relationship began to develop. Moses first called Joshua as, you know, almost as a henchman saying, you know, this is a fight. I need a win. I'm sending you out there to, 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 to get it done. Um, in Exodus uh, 24, when uh, he goes to Mount Sinai, um, it says that's when it's that's when Joshua's actually called his minister. Um, they get up early in the morning and they go and 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 handle business at Mount Sinai. And you read a few more chapters down. Um, you look in uh, Exodus 32. Um, Exodus 32 is when uh, the golden calf is made and. And the people in the in is, is down there sacrificing to it and everything. Joshua's the one that you know he's he's almost like the lookout here, saying Moses, the people are down there and they're carrying on something fierce, and it sounds like the noise of war coming from the camp. Uh, if you move right along into Exodus 33, um, that's where I like to call that the big meeting. That's when Moses is actually in the tabernacle and. God descends in a cloud and it says it talked, uh, he talked with Moses as a man speaketh with his friend. And all the priests and everybody left the tabernacle and went down into where all the people was except for Joshua. So Moses kept him there for the big, the big meeting. And then, of course, one of the best ones that we know is when you jump on over through Leviticus and the numbers is when they're going out to spy out the land and they list everybody that um, the, the lineage of everybody that they, the 12 spies that they picked out, um, even after they list them, then in a separate, uh, verse down there, it says, and Moses called Joshua, who's the son of Nun, and that's N-U-N, not N-O-N-E. Everybody in the, that's ever lived has had parents except for Adam, Eve, and Melchizedek. So, um, but he calls him specifically. So when he had his most crucial tasks, most crucial meetings, most crucial battles. Joshua, he, Moses keeps Joshua kind of close to him, even at the end of his life. When um, Moses is getting ready to, to go home to glory, he calls all the, 
takes Joshua down in front of the whole ca whole camp and tells everybody, hey, this is the guy that's going to take over for me when I die. Um, that plan of succession, succession is just always, it's the way things were done from back then. And it's the way, th it's a good way to do things now. That way it's not, you're bringing in someone new, it's someone that has been there, someone that has been edified, educated, and mentored by someone that was in, in charge. And this person who has the, the, the temperament, the ability, the, 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 the right stuff has been, you know, brought up and brought along and brought through situations where you can have that continuity. Um, and there's so many different organizations um, that structure it like that. Um, but now we'll jump into uh, point two of uh, necessary inference um, as far as uh, edification. And this will cover one of the... Uh, coming from Timothy 1, example 1 is, for, is Timothy 1, 2 through 5, and example 2 is Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. And um, this is a good one. It touches a little bit on the uh, relationship that Paul and Timothy had, which is another construct that can be examined as far as looking at edification in its purest sense, almost like I said, a mentor and a uh, mentee, uh, and that and that reads in Timothy, <clears throat> excuse me, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables or endless genealogies, which, which minister questions, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Um, you can see there the type of relationship that uh, Paul and Timothy had um, as far as him calling him his own son. There are, there are other examples also where Paul um, refers to Timothy as a son, like a son. Um, then we will go over to Ephesians 4, 15, verses 15 and 16. This is another one of Paul's letters. If, if, if you ever need encouragement or some grounding, two of the things that I always say is Proverbs and almost any of the letters that Paul wrote, those are just great reads, great inspirational, great encouraging reads. Um, and Ephesians 4. But speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the body, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And that's just a, that to me, that one didn't need a lot of, a lot of extra 
a lot of extra explanation going into that. That is using a great comparison about how the body works. You could think about either the physical human body, um, even though we all, well, most of us over a certain chronological marker understands waking up every morning with the aches and pains, we always know that the situation could get a lot worse. Um, or also looking at it as the body, as the church, as the church body, edifying of itself in love. Um, then we're going to jump on down to point three, um, expressed example. Actually, before we jump into that, I had one after Ephesians. I had a point to make after that. And this was a quick story that I just wanted to share as I was thinking about it. Is I've covered a lot of the edification coming from the uh, protege or the mentee sort of side of things. Dealing from the mentor part of things, that can be, it can be as stressful, if not more stressful, than the protege. Um, as far as navigating the minefield of emotions and, and um, as far as how people will take certain things because a, a mentor to a mentee, he literally wants, he's trying to help him develop or her develop into the best person that they can be. That is stressful in and of itself. It makes the mentor have to make sure that he's studied to show himself well approved. It makes the mentor in a sense, almost taking a responsibility for the development of his protege, um, investing in someone else. Going back to week one, I'm um, talking about the, the core of encouragement. Um, but it can also be stressful on the teacher. And when I was thinking about that, it made me think about the first time that I gave a driving lesson to my niece, Brianna. Now, Lord have mercy, it's sure enough a chip off the old block as I think about her daddy, my oldest brother, um, when he was a young man before he became much more calm and as he progressed chronologically. My brother was one of those type of folks. He drove a Trans Am with the Firebird on the hood. He thought he was Smokey and the Bandit. And if you ever rode with my brother in those days, he would make you godly thankful that there was somebody that invented seat belts. Um, and the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Um, I remember, thank the Lord, it wasn't in my car. It was in one of my brother's vehicles, the one I think that he cared about the least. And he said, you know, take Bree out for a driving lesson. So I'm taking her out for a driving lesson and get into a big parking lot. And when I knew I was in trouble, when the first thing I did was after parking the car and getting her in the driver's seat, myself in the passenger seat, was to say, okay, I want you to back out of this spot. Now, the first thing that she did was she snatched it in gear. Then she stomped on the gas. Then she turned around to look what was behind us. And this is one of those times I'm sure parents who's ever gotten, the, gotten their children through the learner's permit and the the license phase, so you can start sending them to the grocery store first thing Saturday morning, like mine did. That's just a rite of passage. You begin to wear out the floorboard on the passenger side, hitting an emergency, hitting a brake, an imaginary brake that does not exist. I know why in driver's ed cars now that they actually did go ahead and put another brake paddle on that side of the car. But when I was thinking about that, and there's much more details I could get into about that story. Um, I mean, she turned out to be 
a pretty good driver. I mean, she's only flipped two cars. Um, <laughs> but it could be just, I say all that to say this, it could be just as stressful on the teacher as it is on the student. Um, now we'll jump back into point three. And I hope that, that my niece doesn't hear this because I'm sure I'm going to get a phone call, a text message or something saying, Uncle Sean, you didn't really have to tell them people all my business like that. You know, they get to a certain stage in life. They, they have their own business. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Point three, um, expressed example. We're going to use First uh, Corinthians 10, 21 through 23. Uh, and example two is going to be First Corinthians 8 and verse 1. And, and it reads, uh, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Um, like I say, Paul is definitely one of the Paul is definitely one of the most um, all-in examples of Christian constructs in the Bible. I usually look at Paul and I look to Job because those two went through everything from top to bottom. I mean, Job more so off of. God and the devil having a conversation, it became a test for him. Paul just um, having his uh, road to Damascus moment um, and then completely doing a, yeah, make sure I do this right mathematically, doing a complete 180, going from persecuting the church to being one of the biggest champions for the church outside of Jesus Christ himself, uh, example in the Bible. Now, that's in my opinion. Paul was completely all in. Um, and we look at another one of his uh, uh, examples um, in 1 Corinthians 8 and 1. And it says, now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth, puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Um, I like that word, edifieth. But this is Paul giving, giving us some expressed examples of edification, which is, like I say, the lifeblood of true encouragement as far as the investing in someone else. I'm trying to tie all this, tie all this good stuff together. Um, hopefully it's been good stuff. Um, and just kind of going into the the grand summary of, of everything that we looked at over the course of the past uh, few weeks. Um, get back to my place here. Um, dealing with the Barnabas factor, the, the mind of an encourager, breaking those down into the four different types of, of, of four different aspects, not types of, more so aspects of Of, of of the 
I'm sorry, of the main word, we got into consolation, <clears throat> inspiration, objurgation, and edification. Looking at those, we looked at uh, consolation was dealing with issues, um, comfort after a great loss or disappointment. For consolation, we used a couple of examples. Uh, we used M Martin Luther King Jr. And we used what his, some historians consider the greatest prime minister um, in England's history, uh, Winston Churchill. Then the following lesson, we went into inspiration, which is the process of being mentally stimulated um, to make other people want to do accomplish or achieve something. And my own definition of it was getting an individual or a group of people on the same sheet of music. Um, the heart of an encourager. Uh, we looked at the uh, two examples. There was um, one of our, we studied three, like I say earlier, we studied three of our best presidents uh, or what history and some researchers consider as the greatest presidents. We used FDR, um, and then we also used a Church of Christ example, Marshall Keeble. Um, and I would I would 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 advise folks to if you if you haven't really, and I'm not saying go study a man, but if you've, you've never really looked at the life and times of Marshall Keeble, who baptized an estimated forty thousand people during his lifetime. Um, I think that that's something that would that could edify all of us um, going to take a look at that man's life. Um, the next the next part of the aspect of of encouragement we looked at was objurgation, um, the two which is which I consider the soul of an encourager. Um, dealing with uh, the two examples we used was uh, George Washington, the first president. And Bill Parcells, who was um, just one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, um, looking at some of the people that 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 he actually brought to the table as far as coaching is almost a who's who, um, from Tom Coughlin to Nick Saban. I mean, I could go on and on, but I know that me going on and on about Bill Parcells is not going to make football come back anytime sooner. But... Uh, objurgation is a, a harsh rebuke, reprove, or admonishment. Um, objurgation, the uncomfortable situation, uh, the uncomfortable conversation. And lastly, we looked at edification, the will of, a, of an encourager. Um, now, we only looked at one real-world example there because um, I wanted to have time to kind of uh, wrap this wrap this all up and put a bow on the top of it to 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 quote my mentor. Um, we used Abraham Lincoln and one of the greatest edifiers, and I haven't mentioned much about him yet because I figured through all the other ones that I've uh, been blessed to share, uh, my old man is would would be my third example. And I'm sure y'all have heard enough about him <laughs> at this point in time. Um, and of the three presidents, there's a fourth president that I do like, too, even though they say that those are the three greatest. I would also say that uh, James Garfield should be 
everybody's favorite president. The reason I say that is because he was the only president that was a member of the Church of Christ. Um, as I understand it, with some of the research I've done, he was actually a Church of Christ minister. And when he was inaugurated, one of his most famous sayings was, I stepped down to the presidency. That's a man who had his his priorities in order as far as from a spiritual standpoint. Um, but dealing with edification um, is the instruction, improvement of a person morally or intellectually. That's where we kind of went into the construct of teacher and student, um, mentor and protege, just a great way for things to be passed on. Um, I gave a couple of uh, examples in, in different movies um, as far as, and like I say, I won't mention a movie. I had some other ones that I did want to use that would be great examples, but I would only use movies as, as my mentor said, that you would be okay with children watching. So if, and I think that they're very emotional movies, but if you really want to look at the the movie soundtrack that would go along with these lessons, you would look at Remember the Titans, Rudy, and Hoosiers, just all great movies that deal with the different aspects of um, encouragement. All of those movies are great about encouragement one way or the other. Um, and that is actually the end of the lessons. Um, I really appreciated the, um, I'm gonna give, give y'all back a couple of extra minutes tonight because I'm gonna finish a little bit earlier than I anticipated. Um, I did some editing down on the notes just not to bore y'all with more stories of my father. <laughs> um, but I do wanna thank uh, the brothers, uh, the leadership here for allowing me to uh, bring the lessons during July. Um, I hope that they have been as enlightening and encouraging to to you guys as it has been to me. Of course, I would love to be in the building in, in front of people. The COVID-19 won't allow that for right now because I feed off the energy and the input um, of the class, the humor of the class, and there, and and teaching Bible study at Laurel is very easy because the folks out there, and not to pat y'all on the back too much. They know the word. They all you guys always have great comments, great additions, stuff that I didn't even think about that is always added. Everyone is always um, apt to share. Um, and that's just a huge thing. Prayerfully, prayerfully, we will um, get back to a more normal way of life sooner than later. Um, like I say, I want to definitely thank the, uh, the leadership, our elders. Like I say, I can't say enough about them. I have seen elder, it's just I've seen other elderships and I've not been experienced one that is as cohesive, communicative, and united as our elders are. Um, and also to all our ministers who also have each taken some time with me in their own way, some a little bit more than other if you had a clock running, but Brother Cook, Brother White, and Brother Martinez, all great resources all great resources and they are, their doors are always open. Give them a call, don't hesitate, trust me. 
They love to talk about kingdom business and they can answer more questions than I actually can. That's 100%. So with that, I know I'm finishing up about, my clock says I'm about four minutes early, but I hope you guys won't hold that against me. Um, but at this point in time, we'll turn it back over to the hands of the brothers. And hopefully whoever has a Devo tonight, you got a couple extra minutes to put in there for me. Uh, thanks, everybody, and hopefully see you soon. Hello, this? I may be having headphone issues. Let's try this again. Sorry about that, folks. I was having some headphone issues. All people that on earth do drown, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. And serveth bear his praise for tell. Come ye before him and rejoice. The Lord you know is God indeed. Without our aid he did us make. We are his flock, he doth us feed, and for his sheep he doth us take. Oh, enter then his gates with praise, approach with joy his courts unto. Praise Lord and bless his name always, for it is seemly so to do. For why the Lord our God is good, his mercy is forever sure. His truth at all times firmly stood, 
and shall from age to age endure. Good evening. John said I had a minute, so I'll um, use it off the, uh, right at the beginning. Um, he was talking about Job and Paul both being uh, great encouragers. And um, the story of Job is often um, recounted. Um, Charles Pratt always waits to see where it is that uh, Ricky's going to put Job in his sermon because he almost always does. But then um, I just wanted to read something from Second Corinthians, and you could, you can. There's the Philippian jail incident. There's it's in Philippians. It's in a number of places. Uh, but Paul recounting there in verse 24, five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I would drift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toils and hardships, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there was the daily pressure on me, the anxiety of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? We may look at Job and Paul as great encouragers, but I wonder if we're willing to go through even a fraction of what either of them went through. Which brings me to what I wanted to, where I was going, and that is in uh, Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, a captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he had become a successful man, and he was in the household of his Egyptian master. His master saw the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused, him, caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in the sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he, all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything with the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because my master has no concern about anything in his house and he has put everything he has in my charge. He is not, he is not greater in this house than I nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? 
and he spoke to jo and she spoke to Joseph day after day, and he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there in his house, she caught him by the garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. But as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of the household and said, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until the master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant you have brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled, and Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. And the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were there, who were in the prison. Where, whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to succeed. It was a saying that I, probably many of us have heard with friends like that, who needs enemies? Um, God, Joseph serves God. He's true to God and God is with him. And he goes from being in his family to being a slave in Egypt. And he goes from being a slave in Egypt to being a prisoner in Egypt. <clears throat> um, oftentimes we expect if we do the right thing, then we will be blessed. And my only point this evening is expectations can cause you great trouble. Um, you expect um, certain people in relationships to act a certain way, or you expect things to go a certain way, or more importantly, you expect God to act in a certain way. You expect that if you do right, then you will be blessed. Um, you don't get that from Scripture. In fact, from Scripture, what you do get is that God is in charge, and he will do things the way he sees fit, and our uh, obligation is to serve him, to worship him, and to allow him to work out the events of life as he sees fit. Um, and I know in my life, um, emotions are one thing that can trip you up, but just as uh, fatal can be expectations. When you expect uh, things to go a certain way, and they don't, and you allow that to influence what you think of other people, what you think of God, what you think of life. Um, mindset. Uh, Sean talked about mindset. Um, if we have the mindset that God is good and God is in control and whatever he does will turn out the way he wants it to turn out, whether we like it or not, uh, we will be in much better shape. But 
to expect God to bless us just because we're doing the right thing, you're setting yourself up for um, being disappointed. <laughs> uh, Joseph never allowed his view of who God was uh, to be diminished. He served God. Even in prison, he was willing to serve God, and God blessed him even in that situation. Um, we don't always find ourselves where we want to be, but we do find ourselves where we're at, and that's where God wants us. Hopefully something this tonight was uh, encouraging, and I, along with Sean, look forward to the time when we can meet together uh, and uh, have some kind of a feedback as to how we're doing. <laughs> uh, talking to a screen is not my idea of uh, devotional, but it is what it is. Uh, if you have anything that you need to talk to the elders about, uh, make sure you either call them, text them, or email them at elders at laurelchurch.net. Thank you very much. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant, Moses, righteousness be restored. And though these are days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sun. So we are the voice in the desert, crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. So lift your voice, it's the year of jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation come. And these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant, David rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are us right in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. So lift your voice, it's the year of jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 There's no God like Jehovah.
There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. Behold, he comes riding on the cloud, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. So lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Who was, and who is, and who is to come? Who was, and who is, and who is to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for being with us, Lord, in these times and all times, Father, in times when we don't even think about you, you're there. And Father, when we work, when we deal with issues in this world, you're there. Thank you, Father, for Sean's putting together the lesson and for Ricky to learn a little bit about what it means to be an encourager ourselves. Thank you for Farron's devotional, Lord, reminding us that our expectations may not be reality. But Father, we also want to remember too that you, Lord, are faithful and that we can trust you and the only expectation that's really valid is that you are good and you keep your promises. And Father, it's in Jesus' name.